Welcome to the Shrink Think Podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Nathan. And we're both licensed professional counselors in Oregon here to open up our lives and minds with you. We'll share some of our experience as counselors, business owners, and most important of all, as everyday people. Hi, and welcome to Shrink Think. This is our podcast that explores the human experience from two therapists' perspective. We use a little humor and a lot of compassion to help you understand yourself and learn new ways of being. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to our episode today. We are closing out our series on depression and anxiety in the pandemic. And today we're going to focus specifically on anxiety. In the first episode, if you have not already done so, go back and listen to episodes 27 and 28. Uh, That was two weeks ago and last week. We covered like what's an overview of what this whole pandemic has done in terms of affecting people with depression and anxiety. And then last week specifically, we went into classic depression and treatment for that and then what does pandemic depression look like and then what are some creative ideas for treating that and today we're going to get into the same thing with anxiety what is classic anxiety as we've always understood it to be and then what is classic treatment for it and then pandemic anxiety and treatment for that as well so first of all to get started Nathan, talk to us a bit about what is classic anxiety as we've typically understood it in the world of psychology. Yeah, so we're not going to go over the DSM again. That's why Aaron's saying, go back and listen. You don't need to hear me do that all over again. But so classic anxiety, we've been kind of focused on generalized anxiety disorder as our kind of mantra, because there's also social anxiety, some phobia and other things that are related inside of that same genre of disorders. So classic anxiety is this feeling of being keyed up or kind of hyper alert, kind of active inside your mind. You might have thoughts that are going on pretty quick. Sometimes they'll call those racing thoughts. Um, You don't feel settled, kind of feel unsettled, nervous for no reason, and can't really sleep. You don't really sleep well. You might not be able to stay asleep or get to sleep, just not restful. And that's kind of the a general overall viewpoint of generalized anxiety disorder. Yeah. And I think along with the whole keyed up, you know, if you think about that, a couple other things that go with it, like your body is going to feel probably pretty tense because if you're keyed up, you know, your body's tightening up, then over the course of the day, you're just going to, your muscles going to ache. You're going to feel like sore or even feel fatigued. A lot of people, if you think about it kind of from a chemical standpoint, If you are stressed, your body is releasing a chemical called cortisol, and that kind of stress is meant to be in your body for short periods of time because it's really taxing on your body to handle. So if you are keyed up a lot of the time, then you've got a lot of cortisol in your body and your body's going to feel really taxed as though you just have run like 10 miles. So you might also feel a bit of fatigue. And then there's this whole idea that goes with it too that can be worrying. Obviously, if you're anxious, then some people might say that you're a worrier or you might call yourself a worrier or somebody who's very fearful that would kind of go with some phobias. Those are a couple of other things that would add to that as well. Talk to us a bit, Nathan, now about what is pandemic anxiety? How is it different from this classic anxiety? Like what has the pandemic done to this typical anxiety that's made it evolve a little bit? 
You know, it's interesting you mentioned cortisol, and this is going to even make more sense in a second here with, in relationship specifically to pandemic anxiety, but cortisol is also that wonderful hormone that turns your hair gray and gives you fat around your midsection. With all the presidents that we've had, I used to joke around, you want to see what cortisol does? Look, what a, look at the before and after with a president going in like one year and then coming out in four years. Didn't work out with Donald Trump as much because it was amazing. It's a wonderful hair. <laughs> so I don't know, but if you're sitting there with the extra COVID-20, like I joked about in a previous podcast, could be Mr. Cortisol coming after you. Those are some, some signs of that. Interestingly, as a little bit of a side note, and I'll talk about this more later, but getting rid of cortisol, it can only be metabolized by endorphins, which only occur during laughter and exercise and sex. So, boom shakalaka. So you're saying in order to, to combat that stress, you need to uh, increase your endorphins through one of those three activities. Yes. Or all of them. At the same time. <laughs> the same time. <laughs> Watching stand-up comedy. <laughs> While having sex, laughing. <laughs> and then exercising. That might be uncomfortable for somebody. Anyway. So. Or have sex on the treadmill. Jiminy <laughs> <laughs> Christmas. Uh, we'll just leave that. So, pandemic anxiety, There's the difference with that is that you're getting anxious in relationship to what's going on around us, right? So... Before, with generalized anxiety that I was just mentioning, you have issues with, you kind of know that that anxiety, like, it's not as normal. You don't like feeling that way. Pandemic anxiety is like, you just kind of assume everybody else is probably feeling that way, or you're extra specially affected by the anxiety. So are you saying that before, in like typical anxiety, it's in some ways kind of made up, or it's like worrying about stuff that might happen, but also might not happen? versus pandemic anxiety is, no, this legitimately did happen, is happening, and is repeatedly going on. So it's like an actual worry about real stuff. Yeah, I, I am saying that also, though, um, you could still have the flavors of before, right? The people that had anxiety going into this now just have a heck of a lot more to worry about. And there's kind of two different sides of the coin where people are worrying. On the one hand, like, and it would definitely be pandemic related would be, you know, hey, we need to get back to normal here. Like, Here's the 18,000 reasons I have that we need to get back to normal. This life sucks. Also, you have folks inside there like so-and-so lost their job. We're going to lose stuff if we don't get back to work. There's that anxiety that definitely didn't exist prior to the pandemic. And then you've got anxiety of folks that are worried about different ways that whatever they do is going to affect others when it comes to transmission of the disease. And so there's a lot inside of something that's already existed, which is why, again, we decided to talk about this stuff. So there are differences, but there are a lot of similarities. Yeah, I think some of the things that I've noticed people talking about, and it's interesting, even as we're talking about this right now, I'm noticing we're talking about anxiety and we're like speeding up and we're like getting all anxious about it. I'm like, ah, oh, we need to slow down. So <laughs> I'm intentionally going to take a deep breath and slow myself down. Um, some of the things I've heard people talk about with anxiety related to the pandemic are, yeah, they're worried about the disease, but it's also like the numbers, you know, whether it's the numbers in my state are going up, the hospitalizations, or um, this person is getting it, that person is getting over it. Now we're talking about vaccines. Did you get the vaccine? Like, oh, did you get sick on the second shot? Or, you know, were you laid out? Or did you get that? Whatever. It's just like specific stuff related to the pandemic or to the vaccine, the recovery from that. 
it's a lot more specific and in I think with generalized anxiety, people definitely had some specific phobias and some specific worries, but it was, like you said before, in a lot of ways, kind of in their head um, to some extent, or it just wasn't as like widespread as a global pandemic. So that's something that's different, that's very specific. And I mentioned feelings of fear. With this kind of anxiety, it's not just anxiousness or worrying, it's also fear, actual fear of getting a disease, getting sick, mm-hmm. having uh, symptoms that are gonna, you're going to have to deal with for a long time or for the rest of your life. Or if it's like related to the government, how they're handling things, or if it's related to your business and being able to stay open or continue working, I think there's a very serious fear about that. But then this whole thing, and this kind of gets out of a little bit of the pandemic-related stuff, and it's more of just kind of what 2020 has represented that I think goes along with the pandemic is, what's next? Uh, It's not just anxiety or worry or fear about the disease, but it's also, okay, what's going to happen with, you know, our society? You know, are we going to collapse? Are there going to be like massive riots and, you know, wars that are going to break out? Or is it going to be natural disaster-related? We're just coming out of a time where there was like this huge winter storm that affected our country in lots of different places. You know, like in Texas, this kind of thing has not happened in 100 years or whatever. Like that's a real thing that's going on that people lost power and, you know, have been displaced and all kinds of stuff. Like that's actual really legitimate fear and worry and anxiety that people have now that's not just in their heads. So that's a whole nother aspect of it. Let's move into... What does classic anxiety treatment look like? So as you look at some of those symptoms of being irritable, keyed up, tense, maybe fatigued, worrying, having trouble sleeping, what are some ways that we would generally talk with our clients in our offices about treating that anxiety? Yeah, I, it's funny. I was just looking at some of the statistics I shared a little bit about this last, uh, I think it was at the beginning of the depression episode, maybe. And... I just thought I'd share this for those of you that are anxious out there. Out of the 5,000, see, 5,470 respondents and 40% identified a mental health problem, only, quote unquote, 68.8% experienced a depression, but you anxiety people got them beat. 72.7%. We just nudged them right out. If I, if I go anywhere, it's more towards anxiety than depression. I just thought, you know, I hadn't given the statistics out and I thought I'd integrate that a little bit. But as far as what would be normal with the folks that maybe had anxiety pre-existent, you would come in to, you know, see a therapist. We would talk through like, you know, if you're CBT, meaning you work with, uh, you use as a therapist, cognitive behavioral approach, it's called cognitive behavioral therapy. You would do something like, hey, what are your thoughts? Like, let's take, let's take some of those thoughts that really are not that logical or rational. And let's, you know, try to look at those more specifically and replace those with something that's more rational. And that's kind of the big overall with CBT. You know, there's other treatments out there, but in general, that's kind of the accepted thing with anxiety. So there's that. The other thing would be like medication. And of course, your therapist is going to recommend things like um, going and making sure that you exercise, making sure that, you know, you don't um, do things that would be proponing your anxiety. Like, for example, caffeine. That's not a good move. If you have anxiety, it'll just keep you keyed up. Can you speak to, uh, for a lot of people, they just think caffeine, like, oh, I don't drink soda. What are some examples of caffeine? Yeah. One that people don't think about as much is decaf. I had decaf. Well, there's caffeine in decaf coffee, um, decaffeinated coffee. You know, tea, 
you green tea lovers out there, you know, chai, all that stuff, unless it says there's nothing in there, welcome to the alert zone is what that, <laughs> is what that stuff's going to help you out. And of course, coffee being the, the obvious one, just regular caffeinated coffee. And by the way, side note, this is random because I love coffee. In case you didn't know, if you get a light roast versus a dark roast of coffee, the light roast actually has more caffeine in it than the dark roast. So if you're not willing to give up coffee, but you want to switch to something that's maybe not as strong, get a darker roast. Snap, crackle, pop, rice, krispies. I never knew that. I was getting the dark roast so I would have more caffeine. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. For some reason, I don't even know why. I've never thought about this. But when I first heard that, I was like, that doesn't make any sense. I would think the darker roast means like, I don't know, somehow it has more caffeine. But no, it's the lighter roast that does. So the more you know. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Yeah, of course, therapists would talk to you about um, sleep, you know, making sure that there's good sleep hygiene. As an example, that good sleep hygiene is like, well, you put on deodorant in the morning, right? You brush your teeth. Hygiene at night would be, well, you need, a, you need a routine. And that routine needs to not involve television and getting on your phone, um, getting on your iPad or your, your smaller device and looking at it for at least one hour before you actually go to bed. So you could do reading. And actually, the real strict um, sleep hygienist will say, if you're going to do that, you need to not do it in your bed because you've got to train yourself to only be sleeping in your bed. And of course, some other things, but only sleeping, if you know what I'm saying. Right. The idea behind it is it's kind of a psychological conditioning that's going on where your room, your bedroom, where your bed is, is the place where you sleep. And so it needs to be associated with calm and relaxation. So if you're doing other things, if you're doing work in your bedroom or doing work in bed, then you can actually get keyed up. You, know, you can have those symptoms of anxiety there. And so when it's time to go to sleep, your body is going through its routine. And rather than relaxing, calming down, getting ready for sleep, it's getting keyed up. So that's why those routines are so important. And, and of course, routines take some practice. It's the kind of thing that it's not going to just happen overnight or with a couple of trials. You're going to have to do it for a period of time. With sleep hygiene, I would also like to add um, noise is an issue, meaning you need to have a space that is free of noise, or if you like white noise, something that is kind of innocuous. Um, some people like to sleep with white noise. I sleep with a fan that helps. Also, the room needs to be dark. If you've got light going on in your room, whether it's from you know lamps or uh, windows or whatever, cover them up. Make them make your room as dark as possible. When you're eyes are closed and it's dark outside. It sends signals to your brain that you need to be sleeping. And when light is introduced into that, it tells your body to wake up and stay awake. So that can subconsciously interfere with your whole sleep patterns as well. Yeah, actually to that point, there was a 25 year study that was concluded at this point, I think about 10 years ago. What they did is they studied workers who worked overnight, like the whole night shift deal. The hypothesis, the idea was, is that the, what they would find would be that there was no real difference. I mean, the, the idea was we're basically awesome as humans. We are what's called diurnal, meaning we're not nocturnal. We don't only have to be in the day or only have to be in the night. We can do both. Uh, what they found is that that's not true. Obesity, all kinds of things are up. Diabe diabetes, all this stuff was up and worse. Stress, sleep problems, all that stuff was worse. And, you know, it makes sense because when, when you think about how we're how we acclimate to even sleep and to light and to the day when we're first born, 
doctors will tell you, pediatricians will generally tell you, if your baby is napping during the day, leave the lights on. Like, leave, it's okay because that's the day. At night, turn the lights off, and that gets the baby into a position where the baby will start to learn, oh, this is night, and I stay asleep, and in a day, that's going to be more of a nap. And if you didn't know that, you're welcome. <laughs> if you didn't know, now you know. <laughs> we're doing that all the time. Baby, drop it down. Yeah, I just want to add one more thing. When you were talking about uh, how poor sleep overnight leads to you know, being more stressed, that's, that's exactly the idea. When you are stressed or if you're prone to stress, sleep actually resets your body, resets your mind. It gets you this, if you are sleeping well and with good routines and at the right hours of the day, then it rejuvenates your body and refreshes your body so that you wake up feeling less stressed or less prone to stress. If you're not getting enough sleep, if you're getting poor quality of sleep, that can actually send your body into a more stressed state, which if you have anxiety is going to make you more prone to more anxiety or prone to feel it more or feel it more intensely. So it's like this vicious cycle, right? If you've got anxiety and you're also not sleeping well, those things are going to pair together to make things a lot worse for you in the classic sense. So just moving forward with the classic treatment, um, a couple of other ideas that um, people have widely used for a long time. You've got meditation out there. Uh, you've got mindfulness. If you don't know what mindfulness, it's just simply being aware in your present body and self what's going on right now and nothing else, like focusing on your breathing or your present thoughts or on the sounds around you, which is also kind of similar to grounding. Grounding is just looking around the physical room and getting grounded in what's right in front of you, what you can see and taste and touch and smell and feel. As opposed to when you're anxious, you're like in your head thinking about the future, abstract ideas or things that have not yet happened. And so you can probably pull up your phone and not at night, definitely don't do that at night before bed, um, but pull up your phone sometime during the day and you can look up some apps for meditation or mindfulness. And there are tons out there that will help you learn how to like go through deep breathing or progressive muscle relaxation. Those are a couple of other things that, that things will do uh, to help your body, your mind, your emotions relax. Those are like classic treatment options as well. Yeah, I think when you, when you say like the grounding thing, I think of a conversation I had earlier today and it's like, meditate, tune into what's around you person walks by in a mask oh yeah it's the pandemic you have all the reason in the world to be terrified <laughs> yeah that's super calming relaxing I know. what's so bad about this moment i can't go anywhere i'm wearing a mask i'm suffocating and it's terrible but at least i'm, I'm very mindful about that and the couch is comfortable <laughs> well and to speak a little bit more about mindfulness because i know there's people who can be hacked off because it works for them i mean it, it is helpful one of, one of the ideas that another counselor colleague of ours gave me a long time ago is the idea of like washing plates. He's like, it's pretty crazy, but if you focus entirely in the moment on what you're doing, where what you're doing is you're washing a plate and you're focusing on your movement as you move the rag around, you're focusing on the parts that are being changed by you doing the washing of the plate. You don't really realize until you do an exercise like that, and we kind of make fun of it, but how not now you are, you know, and that's why it's helpful because you 
only have the moment that you're in. I mean, that's where you live. You don't live tomorrow. You've already lived some of the hours that you're listening to this. Those are done. But you can, if you think about it, there's all kinds of things that are possible in this present moment, even as you're listening to this right now. So to really remember that and get back in tune with your own body, that's kind of what the point of that is. Yeah, this is, this is interesting. I used to do this exercise with clients that would come in. We would maybe be talking about something anxious or maybe it was somebody with some trauma and we, they'd get sort of keyed up and maybe even a little bit dissociative. And I would try to get them to get grounded in this present moment again and get grounded into my office and out of where, whatever anxious space that they were in. And so I'd have them look around the room and to focus on all the things that they can see and touch and, you know, I guess smell, you know, what are the smells in the room? One of the things that I would do is I would have them look over at my bookshelf and count the number of books uh, on my bookshelf because your mind has to just be completely focused on the right here, right now, what I can see. And it's interesting at first when people were still in that anxious space, they would have trouble counting. They might be like, uh, one, two, three, five, seven. okay, there's like 25 or so books, like doing it kind of quickly. And then they would jump around. You could tell the speed that their mind was working at when they're in an anxious space versus when we did some more grounding, you know, maybe they would circle back around to that a couple more times. Here's what it would look like. They'd be like, okay, one, two, three, wait, what's that one? Four, is that two? Okay, that's two, four, five. They'd be like counting a lot more slowly and intentionally because they're much more grounded and present. And you could tell when they were more grounded and present that they were less anxious, they were more relaxed, and their bodies were also doing the same thing. So just an interesting story from what I, what I would, would see with people when they're more grounded. All right, let's talk about pandemic anxiety treatment and how that might be a little bit different um, from classic treatment. I mean, obviously the same things can apply, but like you said, uh, being mindful about this present pandemic might not be great sometimes. But what are some other things that people can do out there for creative ideas for dealing with this pandemic-specific anxiety? You know, I think one of the main things actually is what not to do. A lot of you get control over and get understanding through doing a lot of information and research. And both sides of the aisle from a political standpoint, are I hear the same things, which is nobody trusts anybody anymore. They don't trust necessarily even research studies out there. Like, I'm like, nope, that was from blah, blah, and they are liars or whatever. But, you know, that whole research thing that you're doing is just making you nervous and anxious. I mean, at this point information, the way that that's needing to slow down, like, let me back up a little bit. So if you heard something prior to the pandemic, like for example, oh, they're making a vaccine for blah, blah, blah. Okay. And you wouldn't think nothing of it. You'd be like, well, that's interesting. Moving on. And maybe years go by and somebody says, oh, did you, you know, that there's a vaccine for shingles, you know, or whatever. Oh yeah, I did hear it. So they got that now. Right. Oh yeah. And you can safely assume that that's been tested a gajillion times and they, you know, or whatever um, to try to understand what's going on or like to, to basically decide whether or not you'd ever want to do it. Now you're up to date on the latest thing that happened, whatever that is. Like, did you see it was in the second trial, you know, or whatever. Four people got sick today. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, there was this little kid and I can't believe, you know, like that's the stuff that researchers go through. Researchers go through that on an average basis where they're, they're doing their study and then they're like, oh my gosh, this one person had this thing. I don't know if we can still do the whatever. And like, you're not a freaking researcher. <laughs> Neither am I. Like, I don't even like, you know, research. Like, 
Aaron's like, I know that name. Let's talk later. And anyway, but no, but seriously, back off, like drop your social media. You don't need to know, like, there's going to be so much other stuff that comes out of this like years from now. And I know some of you are worried about that, but you have decisions right now where you can, you can lessen some of this by just simply just not looking around on inf- getting information. Yeah, I've had numerous people that were just really, really, really high anxiety about this, uh, about the pandemic. And they were looking at the news. They were reading like the regular news, whatever that was. And they were following some social media, you know, following Twitter, the Twitter, reading the tweets (laughs) and, uh, you know, keeping track of news that way. And then they decided, you know what, I just need to get away from social media. They cut it off. They stopped reading news. Within like a week or two, they were saying, wow, I just feel so much more peaceful. And all the stress and worry and anxiety that I was sensing was coming from following all that stuff because the, the level of information was so high, meaning there's a lot of information and it was coming at them so quickly that they didn't know what to do with it. I don't know what to believe. I don't know where it's going. It's contradicting itself or it's just tons of it charging in one direction. That's just really, really stressful where in the real world and in real life, things don't really move that quickly. You get some information, something might happen and there's a response tomorrow and maybe it goes in a different direction the day after or whatever. Like, Generally speaking, like staying that on top of news is just it's just too much, especially when there's a pandemic and there's like nothing else going on. It's kind of like, I don't know, it's just it's too much. People were noticing that it was just stressing them out even more. And the people I noticed that had significant improvements were the ones who got off of that stuff. I want to also say that there's a whole subset of people. This is going to actually go totally against what you just said, what we just talked about (laughs) of getting away from the information. There are also some people who have found a lot of comfort and have become less stressed by pursuing information, by looking at the research and knowing the statistics and knowing, you know, what I don't know, whatever the probabilities or the actual numbers or whatever. If you're the kind of person that really needs to know that and you find that helping you relax or become less stressed, go for it. Go get the information. Go find it. Dig around and, you know, look at all the research and talk to statisticians or whatever you need to do. But that's not going to be most people, I would say. Um, But if that's you, then go for it. I want to just also say that, like I said, with depression, the other thing about the anxiety piece of it is talk to people about it. You know, it's so it's so cliche for therapists to say, you know, talk to talk to somebody about it. But really, that's the truth, because when you're anxious about something, chances are the person across from you is worried about the same thing. They don't know this or that, or maybe they're having a slightly different version of pandemic worry. But it's good to know that, oh, somebody else is kind of concerned about the same thing or you're concerned about something different. I'm like, I'm relieved. I'm not worried about that. But we're both worried about something. And that's the point. I'm not alone in it. We're both feeling some sort of anxiety. One of the things that I would like that I would add um, when it comes to this whole idea of like the two different people that you kind of mentioned to Aaron is that on the one hand, those of you who who kind of know you need the information, you're trying to avoid it and that's making you anxious and you get it and you feel better. Typically, you guys don't keep going like you kind of get the information, take a breath and okay, that's good. But even if you guys out there that are that kind of do that, all of a sudden realize you're on the tip of your, on the edge of your seat, checking out information all the time, you're done now. Like that means nobody knows 
you know, there's an old joke that my friend said, he's like, you know, you get your bachelor's degree and you think you know everything. You get your master's degree and realize you don't know anything. And then you get your doctoral degree and realize eh, no one knows anything. <laughs> so it's like, and you got a bunch of people with doctorates out there trying to figure this stuff out. And everybody's doing the best they can. Adding on to some, some pandemic specific stuff. Get out of your freaking house, man. And I'm talking about like, and away from maybe even your city. You know, drive somewhere. Maybe you've, you know, wanted to go on a, maybe even just going on a drive, quite frankly, seeing nature. Even if you stop somewhere, like, you know, go up Mount Hood and just pull off somewhere random on the side of the road. And so like being out in like the, the country, like on the way to, you know, I, there's places I haven't seen over in Eastern Oregon. Like I'm talking about maybe like an actually decent drive, not like something that's, well, that's going to go out and take a 20 minute drive, make it feel real better. Like when this is like, no man, we're talking hours here. Like a day trip. I, I remember, uh, in the summer we, uh, took a trip over to Idaho, which is just close to where Oregon is at. I think it was like a six hour drive or so. I remember actually stopping at the rest stops and going to the bathroom, maybe refreshing. No, I guess the water things were closed, but just using the bathroom, getting out. And I would walk up and down the little rest area. And it was just a change of scenery, lots of cars, lots of people. And boy, that actually made a difference. It's weird. I'm not saying like (laughs) find a rest area (laughs) to drive to. Although if you want to, then great, you know, (laughs) just make sure you gas up before uh, because, you know, they can be kind of spread out. But uh, that was actually kind of a cool thing that was part of the trip that made it really valuable because it was like a change of scenery from what we had been used to. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's funny. Like I, as you were talking here and I was just realizing like, oh yeah, people could be listening to this podcast anywhere and it could be a long drive to Mount Hood, which is near Portland. Billy and Brandy, you know, sometimes I know they listen, they'd be like, oh, that's a long drive. If you see them out here, then make sure you give me a call so we can, you know, have a conversation or something. Anyway, so, but yeah, travel, getting out of your house. The other thing, though, is medication. This is kind of a a hot, not a hot point, but like important to me because so much information has gone out. You know, you you hear about this family of meds called antidepressants, which I mentioned before when we were talking about depression and their SSRI, selective serotonin, reuptake inhibitors. But people don't, a lot of people don't realize that that's just what they are. And what I mean by that is they also help anxiety. They're not, they, they, they came on and got popular because of their effect in, against depression. But there's several of those that are used regularly to help anxiety. And the cool thing about that is they're not addictive. So, and they're, they've been around forever. There's no lines in the bush about them. Doctors know like, oh, if you have this happening for this many days on this time, you know, they know like, oh, we probably should change that. Or maybe this one isn't for you or whatever. You're not going to turn into a weirdo, like, you know, when it, <laughs> when it comes to taking them. And I'm not saying that you should, I'm just saying that. I'm just trying to get rid of some misinformation that's out there because there is a family of meds that are called anxiolytics. It just, you know, anxious, you know, the whole, that whole thing. Um, and those are legit. Like those, those are addictive. Um, they will, they will change. They will make you tired. They will take you down out of panic attacks, for example, which are all like kind of an anxiety groovy train and doctors are, I think my personal opinion, wisely nervous to give you that right off the bat. So, Sometimes even you knowing what to say when you go in and say, I have anxiety, I need anxiety medication. I mean, well, a doctor, a lot of times, especially if you've said that you talk to a mental health person, may wrongly assume that you are being very specific about the fact that you want an anxiolytic and they may be like very resistant up front. And really all that you're saying is my anxiety sucks and please help. 
And I would say just be, be more, if you decide to do something like that, be more general and ask for like, I need something to help with anxiety. I'm not sure. Let them ask you more questions about it so that they don't, you know, nobody's perfect. Nobody's like me and Aaron. Like we try, we try like, you know, everybody has their own thing. Um, one thing that I want to mention too, as we end up here, kind of close out, is to give you just what the standard muscle relaxation type of thing is. And, and what you do, and this is kind of just the, the norm out there, but you may not know it, is it's just muscle tightening and loosening up. So you, when you're, for example, laying in your bed at night, you start with your feet and you tense up those muscles, hold that tension for about two seconds, and then intentionally release your feet and then do that again, again, about two seconds. And what you are trying to notice is the difference between when your muscles are tight and when they are loose. And then you move to your calves, and then you move to your thighs, and, and so on up through your body, even to what I would call scrunchy face, where you like tighten your face up, you know, and you're laying in bed. Um, and while you're doing that for extra credit, if you can try to breathe more slowly and I was going to guess the deep breathing exercises <laughs> that I mentioned earlier. Yeah, let me just jump in and say, um, I like to think about it as your muscles are relaxing, they're more open and receptive to oxygen. And so if you are breathing in more oxygen, more deeply, it's giving your muscles that, that, that added, you know, oxygen for them to relax. And the way to do that, while you're talking about like, you know, the tightening your muscles for two seconds is to breathe in through your nose, to hold it at the top and then breathe out through your mouth slowly. And you could do each one of those steps for like three to five seconds. So breathe in for three to five seconds, pause, hold your breath kind of at the top for three to five seconds. Obviously don't do it too much. And then breathe out slowly through pursed lips. Like that out breath is what is regulating your heart rate and getting everything to slow down in your body so that it can relax. The in-breath is just to take in a lot of oxygen. The out-breath is to actually slow things down for you. Those two things together, Nate, I would say, if you're going to do the progressive muscle relaxation and that deep breathing, it, you know, I'm going to throw in a, an extra, extra credit. If you want to become a therapist, <laughs> we, we, will mail you, we will mail you a certificate, a handwritten certificate. <laughs> the extra, extra credit is to do some guided imagery. To, <laughs> to imagine while all this is going on, something relaxing, like some happy sheep jumping <laughs> over a fence or I don't know, whatever, something that's calming and relaxing. Like if you want to imagine being at the beach and some, you know, peaceful waves are crashing, or if you're in a cabin in the woods and there's a little brook of water that's rolling through that, that's calming and relaxing. All those things are doing are just stimulating your kind of visual and maybe kind of internal auditory and maybe some sensory kinds of things to get you your whole body more immersed in the relaxed state or the relaxed image that you're imagining. So there you go. There's some creative ideas and also some standard things that work for anxiety. Thank you guys so much for staying on this ride with us of the pandemic. You know, this has been a long haul and it's been great really to talk about this stuff and to hear from people about this and give us the opportunity to address these things because we know as we talk about this on the podcast and we have people listen, it doesn't get old. It's as this continues, it's just so helpful to hear from one another about what our experiences are and what works and what doesn't. Yeah, we really appreciate your ideas. Um, 
I had a person a day leave and go, hey, do you guys want ideas? And I was like, yes, tell us ideas. So again, thank you so much for listening. And um, we hope you continue to be a listener moving forward. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to our show. Don't forget to head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts to leave us a review and subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also visit our website at www.shrinkthinkpodcast.com forward slash course and sign up for our free email course, Nine Ways to Overcome Fear and Self-Doubt. And you'll get nine weeks worth of customized, practical strategies you can use to get past the fear that's holding you back in your life. Thanks again for listening.